Um, so we're continuing on with the uh, with what we've uh, spoke about at the retreat, um, and I'm going to keep going um, with my with my message. And mine's is called "Champion of Heaven." For those of you that are taking notes, um, I actually encourage you guys to take notes, um, to write stuff down on your phone, or to uh, bring a notebook. I've been doing this all this month, and it actually helped me put um, this message together. And the interesting thing is, you know, when somebody's up here speaking, God can also be speaking to you. Um, or actually, God is speaking to you. Um, but I notice that as I write down stuff, God will, like, release something different to me, too. So it's kind of like, how bad do you want it, you know? And if you're willing to show that you you want it so bad that you'll like write stuff down and keep it so that you can recall it because it'll help you remember also, then it's like God will then say, well, then I can trust you with, with this revelation or this knowledge. So please take notes. Um, write stuff down. It's something that I didn't used to do, and now I'm doing it. I'm probably going to start bringing my laptop too now. So <laughs> um, I don't know if I should leave you up there or if I should. Are you comfortable? Yeah, does that seem comfortable? All right. So let's go to Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. And give me an amen when you're there. Hebrews 12, 22. get right into it as I normally need a lot of time. Um, so if you guys are there, amen? Okay, let me read it. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this amazing worship session, God, that we had for our events, Lord, for baby presentations, Lord. I just pray for more of those, God. And I just thank you, God, for this word that you're releasing over us, God, myself included, Lord. And I know that you're so good, Father. You are so good, Lord. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, thank you. So, um, what an amazing December we've been having, right? Yeah. Are you guys blessed, having a good time? These services have been amazing. They've just been crazy. Uh, we had a fire tunnel last week that I just didn't know what to do with myself. So uh, one of those things that you just, um, as cliche as it sounds, you can't explain. <laughs> um, so let me read this to you. It's kind of like my introduction. And if you're taking notes, you can put this perhaps under intro. Um, 
Uh, and I'll try to go slow. Nobody's translating, right? So this is what I wrote down. When you are in school, you are studying and being equipped to champion that field. There is an expectation that you can expand the field you are adopting as your own. We must realize that we have been adopted into heaven as children, students, and stewards. The purpose of, the, the purpose of this is that as children, we learn to sustain a lifestyle of kingdom in every aspect of our lives in order to champion heaven on earth. Let me read that again. So this message is called Champion of Heaven. And I'm kind of going to do it like a workshop, so it's going to be very teachy. So it should help those of you who are taking notes. When you are in school, or if you're being trained on a job, you are being equipped to champion that field that you're studying or that job that you are taking. There is an expectation that you can expand the field you are adopting as your own, that you can increase it. Or bring a profit, right, if it's a job. We must realize that we have been adopted into heaven as children, students, and stewards. The purpose of this is that as children, we learn to sustain a lifestyle of kingdom, of a mind of Christ, in every aspect of our lives, in order to champion heaven on earth. So this is kind of like my intro at the retreat. Um, I read a lot of verses, and I'm not actually going to, I'm not going to read a lot um, today, but I told you guys that at the retreat, my main point was that we are both students and stewards of what God is giving us, and it is our responsibility, our ability to respond to what God has placed in our hands, and reading these three verses, it's amazing how, how much you can actually get out of it, you know, if you, if you camp, if you spend time there, it's really awesome. So let's read verse um, 22. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So let's break it down verse by verse. So you have come to the city of the living God. When I read this, when I was meditating on this, thinking about this, what this communicates to me is we have come to the creator's city. So how does this city make you feel? How do you envision it? So let's go step by step, and let me define each uh, character for you. So it says you have come to Mount Zion. Zion, uh, in its oldest, oldest uh, definition, means a fortified tower on top of a mountain. So Zion means a fortified tower on top of a mountain. Zion, I'll say it in Spanish too. Zion quiere decir una torre fuerte en una montaña. See, I love my Spanish people. English people, come on. Get in it. Let me try the English people again. Mount Zion means a fortified tower on top of a mountain. Better. Wake up. So a fortified tower. I like saying it in Spanish, una torre fuerte, on top of a mountain. This is what you have come to. The next one, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem, broken down, uh, Jeru means foundation, and Salem, um, Salem actually means peace, but the 
Jerusalem put together actually means deity, so it means God. So when, you, when it says you have come to a heavenly Jerusalem, it means you have come to a city that its foundation is God. It is built on God. Jesus is described in the Bible as the chief cornerstone of what we are building on top of, along with the apostles that were um, the first apostles. Amen? The city of the living God. I heard somebody say this one. If you are in a relationship with God, the living God, then that means you are fully alive. If you are in a relationship with God, you are fully alive. You know, a lot of people will describe, like, jumping out of an airplane as, like, you know, um, like, living to the max. And, and, like, you know, you haven't lived until you've jumped out of a plane. And kinda, kinda, I find that kind of weird. Um, but being in a relationship with God, coming to the city of the living God, means that everything around him is alive. And when you relationship with him, that means that you're alive. And then it says, an innumerable company of angels. So all of this stuff is created. It's, it's, it's created by God. And when I read this, I can't help but think this is the creator's city. Not only did he create the city, but he created me. And so when you see how God creates, you see that it communicates something. I was talking with Meryl about this beforehand, and she said something so cool, and I'll try to say how you said it. The city communicates what the creator wants. The city is alive. So I want to make this kind of like interactive. So perhaps you read these verses, and you, don't, you just kind of read over it, and you think, cool, Mount Zion, city of living God, heavenly Jerusalem, whatever. But that's not how it should be. And there's a reason why at the very end I'm going to kind of tie it all together. And I want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to kind of see this. So everybody close your eyes. Kind of get comfortable if you can. And now that I have defined these things for you, I want you to kind of see them. So as I say the, the description or the characteristics of the city, I want you to see it. So just close your eyes. And I want you to take this personal. And if you're listening in a podcast, I want you to do it too. Let this minister to your life wherever you are. You have come to Mount Zion. Has venido a Mount Zion. A una torre fuerte. You have come to Mount Zion. A fortress on top of a mountain. You've come to the city of the living God. The city with gold streets, with gates that are made of pearls. And at the center of this city is a throne where our king sits, where the creator of the city sits. With white wool hair, with eyes like fire, with the emerald rainbow over his head, with a sea of glass at his feet, feet like bronze, with 24 thrones around him, elders sitting there, waiting 
for somebody to cry out, holy, holy, the living creatures, a king with a bright red face, so passionate about you. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem, this city whose foundation is God, and surrounded our created beings. Just see it. Take a deep breath. Okay. Open your eyes if you can. How do you guys feel? Yeah, you can say it out loud. What do you feel? Anybody feel anything different? In awe? Awesome. Anybody else? hermana? Bonito? Safe? Cool. Isn't it interesting that God is so creative? He doesn't come to you and just like tells you, feel safe. He says, no, no, come here. Check this out. Look at this tower. Look how strong it is. Look at this city, it's built on me. Look at how everybody here is alive, and there's angels. Some versions say festive angels. You know, Cynthia was talking about how the veil was torn, and now when we accept Christ, all of heaven rejoices. And, and when I was taking notes, I wrote down, it's beautiful because the veil was torn, and now that we accept Christ, heaven rejoices. But it doesn't rejoice because now you get to go to heaven. It rejoices because now it gets to come through you on earth. I don't think you heard me. It rejoices because now, because of what Jesus did, when you come to Christ, heaven rejoices. Not because you get to go to heaven, but because heaven gets to come through you. That's important because it's not about just a destination, but it's about a kingdom that we are unraveling on this earth. And God started speaking to me and telling me that we are cities. We are cities that are alive. We are cities that are thriving. In Romans 8, it says that all creation is groaning, awaiting for the saints, for the children of God to rise. In Isaiah 60, I believe, or 61, it says that nations will come to the rising of your light. Nations will come to you, to your light. Why? Because you're supposed to be like a city. And a city that highly resembles the kingdom of heaven. One of the interesting things that um, I've, I've kinda, I, I kind of make it a habit, I practice, is that wherever I go, if it's somewhere new that I haven't been, and, and the interesting thing enough is when you steward stuff, God is so beautiful. I'm realizing this right now, and I didn't even think about this before. But I make it a habit wherever I go. Um, if it's, if it's someplace new to, like, pray over that city or to pray over that state or, or whatnot, 
Um, at the early, uh, at the beginning of the year, I got to go to Seattle for like a business trip. Um, and I was in Seattle, and as I was flying in, I was just blessing it. Just blessing Seattle. Blessing the nature, blessing the people, blessing the businesses. I blessed Abner's home as I w- flew right by it. Um, and then uh, uh, I got to go to Florida a couple weeks ago, and I just walked out. Um, if you're on my Instagram, you saw this picture of a lake that I posted. And I just walked out onto that green like little hill, and I just started blessing. I waited for the lady that was with me to like walk away so she wouldn't think I was crazy. But I started blessing like you know all the life that was there. And right now in this moment, I realize that that habit, where did it start? From going on walks around my neighborhood and just praying for my neighborhood, just praying for my city, praying for marriages in my neighborhood, praying for financial freedom for those that live in, 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 in my neighborhood. I remember walking around and finding a home that looked broken down, that, that maybe they were having trouble. I don't know what's going on in there. Or, or God would say, this home, pray for this home. And that habit, I've taken it with me wherever I go. So as you steward things, God starts to develop things inside you. As we explore the Creator City, we learn as students and stewards um, more about our home, more about like our, our habitat, more about our place, more about our surrounding, right? We learn about it, we steward it, we, we learn what it's like, and so that we can unveil it to like people uh, here on earth. Um, the way that I compare this to is to Danny's decorations from Dream, Believe, Inspire. Remember, he had rocks all over this stage, um, and then he had, like, trees all over. When I walked into this place, I felt like I walked into, like, Disneyland or something. It was completely different. Um, it didn't look like this. It felt, you know, it just felt different, and it communicated to me, like, this, like, awe, like, and it communicated creativity, to be honest. When I walked into it, I was just like, man, Danny and his team, they're so creative, and they're so good at what they do. And isn't that just like our Father? Like, isn't that just like God to be, like, creative? And so Danny made, like, a garden here, um, and God, in the beginning, created a garden, um, if I can call it a city um, in today's times. But this garden wasn't complete until Adam and Eve showed up because this city wasn't ever meant to be finished he wanted them to expand the garden of eden and it wasn't complete until adam and eve showed up to expand it and as they expanded it they would come across animals if you remember god told adam name the animals give them a name and as the animals were given names if you will they were given their nature right as god comes over us and he calls us righteous and and royal priesthood he gives us a new name He gives you vision, and then by giving you vision, creates for you an opportunity to have an amazing destiny. If you can't, if you can envision something with God, you can build it. A cool quote that I heard was that um, in Orlando, Florida, when Disney World was being dedicated, the host of the event said to Roy Disney, Walt Disney's son, he said, he said to his son, in a in like kind of like a exasperated like feeling he was like i wish walt was here to see it i wish walt was here to see it and roy disney said he did or you wouldn't have if you can see it you can create like an atmosphere an area for people to come into and encounter something different that they didn't see before Hermana uh, Soila on Friday, uh, we had an amazing Bible study on Friday. We sat in a circle here. 
um, and she said, if we are united, there's nothing that we can't build. If we are in community, if we are together, if we practice the fellowship that the Bible speaks of, what can't we build? And I'm not just talking about like traditional like creativity, like I can, I can, I can draw a pretty picture, um, or I can write, or I can decorate like how Danny does. Um, but I mean that we create cultures and atmospheres and environments around us that redefine the world for people that live ar- amongst us. It's, it's, and the example of this is how we say hi to people. It's, it's how we handle people's bad news. It's how we handle their good news. It's how, it's how we come across and greet people and just being human. So God spoke to me about um, about Southern California uh, about grace and love actually. Um, when we came back from the retreat, an amazing retreat. Uh, it was Tuesday night when we come when we came back, and I was just laying there, and I was just feeling like God's like presence, just like wave after wave, like just coming over me, and I just felt kind of like overwhelmed. And God came to me, and He said He said these next words, and I didn't really fully understand them until I was preparing this message. He said. Um, I have expansion for grace and love. He says, I will expand the territory of grace and love. And then he said, grace and love needs Southern California. And Southern California needs grace and love. And then the next words he says, pray for people on the street. I was kind of like, well, expansion. And then Southern California needs grace and love. And grace and love needs Southern California. All that makes sense. And then he said, pray for people on the street. And then this is what I wrote down that you should write down too, especially if you come here. God said, the expansion for grace and love is directly linked to how well we serve the community around us. And not just around this building, but around you. Because remember, the church isn't this building. You are the church. So through creativity in in your job, at work, at school, at the grocery store, wherever you go, you represent heaven, you represent the kingdom, but in a sense, you also represent grace and love and how you manage yourself, how you steward yourself, how you manage the people around you. And how well you serve those around you is is directly linked to the expansion of grace and love. Amen? And God said, I have expansion for grace and love. So I believe that he, is, he has and he will continue to equip us to bless those around us. Amen? That's the creator city. So that's the first part. Let's move on to the second part, verse 23. <coughs> to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So we read about the city. We read about the creator city. Now we read the citizens of heaven. As you read what's in the description of, these, um, of this verse, you see things like firstborn, those registered in heaven, God the judge, and the spirits of just men made perfect. The word that I think of there is excellence. The citizens of heaven are excellent citizens because who created them? 
the creator of the city. And he, in everything that he does, is excellent. So let me define um, these uh, different things for you guys if you want to write them down. So first it says, the general assembly. So the general assembly just means everything that God creates that is living. So this includes angels. This includes you and I. Um, it includes the living creatures. Um, it just includes the assembly. The assembly assembly means like people to get together, right? People who assemble. Um, and then the firstborn. So why is that important? Because uh, firstborn means you inherited the father's blessing, right? You inherit the father's kingdom. The firstborn in a kingdom has rightful access to the throne. And being that we're all firstborn, we all have rightful access to his throne. And then it says, um, those who are registered in heaven. Or another verse says, enrolled in heaven. So your name is written in heaven. So you don't represent um, just yourself, but you represent heaven. Then it says the judge. And it's awesome that it says the judge because unfortunately, sometimes people can be afraid of this because they think, oh, man, God's going to judge me or God's going to put me down. Like, that is his judgment. And I've said it before, um, and uh, I'll, say, I'll say it again, obviously. Um, we shouldn't be afraid of God's judgment. We shouldn't be afraid of his judgment because his judgment over you is you are righteous, you are, you are pure, you are holy, because he sees you with the love of Jesus Christ. That is the judge that we have over our lives. There is no fear with this judge. And then it's our spirits made perfect. He is making us perfect. So I want you to close your eyes again. So you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, many angels. As you explore the city, you start to look around, you start to notice those that inhabit the city. The General Assembly, the Church of Firstborns. Everybody there was born first. Everybody there has a right to the throne. You have a right to the throne. Everybody there is on the same level. Nobody's better than one another. Everybody's headed for the same place, the throne of grace. There's this book at the center next to the throne. It's a massive book. When you walk up to it, the pages flip. And written in gold is your name. And you see the judge. And you're not afraid. You're in love. Because your spirit is just. And this judge has made you perfect. And he looks at you. And sitting on his throne, he inclines towards you closer. And closer. To the point where you can feel his breath.
says you are perfect. He says you are precious. He says I honor you and I love you. Take a deep breath. Okay. What did you feel this time? Joy? This time? What did you guys feel? <coughs> Acceptance? I love that. Home? Worth. In mine, I can feel. Can you see that? It's a joy. God is so wonderful. He invites you into his city. He gives you access to all kinds of people. He's so creative. He's, he's never-ending creative. And he puts, his, he puts himself into all of you. And as you come across different people, you learn different things, different aspects of, of who God is. As you expose yourself to different people, you gain new understanding, you gain new knowledge of what God is like. I wrote down, all royal children must learn the ways of their kingdom. All royal children must learn the ways of their kingdom. I want you to think of Simba exploring the pride with his dad. And his dad, Mufasa, telling him, Son, from here to here, this is your kingdom. All royal children must explore the land and learn their kingdom. They must trust that their relationship with God is on a course to destiny, on a course to touch lives, right? Remember Simba? He, he, he got a little crazy, went into the elephant graveyard. And, uh, but he, and in the end, if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, Simba becomes king of the pride. You have to trust God that your life is on route, on course to touch lives. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I went in for a uh, consultation for my teeth because I didn't take care of my teeth. And it ended up being that I had like three cavities and um, two other cavities, but they were really deep uh, to the point where I had to get uh, root canals on both teeth. So I've counted and in total I've gone to the dentist this year alone uh, 17 or 18 times. Um, and you all know how much, how wonderful a dentist can be when they have both their hands in your mouth. Um, so it wasn't very fun. <laughs> uh, it, it was painful at times. It was frustrating having a couple of times I had to go in there for a root canal. I thought it was going to be a one-time appointment. And 
it wasn't. The dentist was like, you have to come back because I couldn't get to all the canals. So I have to drill in your mouth again. And then I went back a second time thinking, okay, this is it. And I was like psyching myself, psyching myself out because I get really nervous. I don't eat anything. And I get there and she's like, you're going to have to come back again. And I'm like, really, lady? <laughs> I'm starting to see you more than I see my wife. <laughs> and so um, every, single, every, at every single point I would get frustrated. One time I went home and just started crying because I just, I, I, I just, it just does something to you to visit a place that many times just for them to inflict pain on you. I mean, obviously they're helping you, but like to be forced to go to a place, sit in a chair, and you know what's coming, you know, it's like it does something to your head. I don't know, it did something to me. <laughs> but every, well, a couple of times I went home and I just prayed and I told God, please, like, just, you know, now let me see breakthrough in people's lives for when they're, when they're suffering um, with something with their teeth. On the last, 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 appointment of the year I'm sitting there in the in the in the waiting room I'm like okay I'm gonna get my permanent crown in this is it I'm done the lady was like do you want to come and get your uh, routine cleaning in December I was like no lady next year and so I'm sitting there and I'm reading Ephesians and I'm thinking like like man I'm thinking about what God has been speaking to me about about um you know expansion and thinking about like praying for people on the street and so forth and so on. And normally my appointments are very early in the morning, so there's nobody there. Uh, but this time there was uh, another Filipino lady there and um, uh, this elderly uh, white man sitting there. And he was filling out paperwork. You know, the paperwork they have you fill out when you're a first-time visitor. He was filling it out, and I was reading the word. Uh, not just, you know, kind of like in, in it with God. And... Um, the dentist that I go to is my wife's dentist, and so naturally they're all Filipino. And so um, Meryl's uh, grandma has um, uh, dementia, so she forgets. So I always tell her that my name is Kevin, and she calls me Stephen. And I say, yes, grandma, good. So every time she sees me, she's like, Stephen? So needless to say, I have kind of like a relationship with that name now. So I'm sitting there reading the word, and the Filipino um, receptionist says, Stephen? And I turn around. I was like, does this lady know? And I'm like, I wrote down Kevin, right, on the, list, on the paper? And the, the, white, uh, the elderly white man stands up, and he goes in there, and he's, like, talking to her, and I'm like, oh, his name is Stephen. Okay. Pay attention. God's highlighting him to me already. He's filling out paperwork, and the, the lady asks him, do you take any hard medicines? She's like, he's like, no, I don't take any hard medicines, but my wife will be in here uh, later on, and, uh, and she's, she's on some hard stuff. You'll have to ask her. And then the, the lady is like, oh, um, what's wrong? Um, she's sick? And he says, he says, yeah, she has cancer. She has uh, cancer in her lungs, and, uh, and she says, oh, okay, well, what kind of treatment does she want? She just wants maintenance because there's no point in her getting anything fixed at this point. And I'm like, ooh. So he sits down, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, okay, I can either keep reading the word <laughs> and pray for him in my head, or I can pray for him. And uh, the Filipino lady's still sitting across from me, and then he's sitting, like, to my right. And I'm looking at him, trying to make eye contact with him so I can talk to him. And I'm, like, staring him down. <laughs> Look this way, buddy. And he's just, like, not looking. And then he, he calls. He makes a phone call. And I'm like, great. 
They're going to call my name. I'm not going to get to talk to him. I shouldn't have hesitated. He's like, hey. He's like, yeah. He's like, I went to the dentist. You want me to bring you some soup? Okay. Oh, I'll bring you some soup. I'll go to Vaughn's. I'll, I'll make you some soup. Honey, don't worry. If you haven't eaten, I love you. I was like, oh, my gosh. I started thinking about my wife in that moment. Um, I started thinking about my grandpa who lost his wife also um, at an early age. And I just started thinking of how hopeless he must feel in this situation. And so I finally said, I'm not going to wait for him to look at me. I'm just going to start the conversation. And the other lady was on her phone too. And so I say, I'm sorry to hear about your wife. And so he turns around and like he kind of, his body posture like turns towards me and he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other lady puts her phone down like she's about to jump in the conversation, but they actually call her name. So now it's just him and I in the room. And I was like, yes. And I started asking him what's going on. And all I asked him was one question, what happened? And when... When people are going through stuff, man, all they need is one question. And it's like, I can imagine, like, maybe nobody really talks to him. Because sometimes when you hear bad news, you get scared, and you don't want to talk about it. You think, man, the last thing these people want to do is talk about it. And sometimes that's true. But in this case, I could tell he wanted to talk about it. He told me that they've been married for 25 years. In April was going to be their, uh, no, 26 years. In April was going to be their 27th year anniversary. Um, they, they, she had to, she was about to retire and she got a really bad cough three years ago. Uh, and she thought, oh, I'll just go to the doctor after I retire. And so she waited a couple months, unfortunately, and she went to the doctor and the doctors told her, you have a lot of tumors all over your lungs and we can't operate because there's just too many. And they told her she had, like, stage 4 cancer, I think, or the cancer where it's, like, basically, like, it's just terminal. And she, he's telling, he's just, like, unloading on me, like, telling me all this stuff and just, you know, not, not painting, like, a hopeful picture, obviously, you know. He's telling me that she has cancer. She's never smoked a day in her life. Their daughter, who was traveling the world for her job, she quit her job, took up some random job in Long Beach. They live in Long Beach um, for... for for her to be close to her mom. And he was like, yeah, she's going to come here later just to, like, you know, get clean because there's no point in her getting anything fixed. He's so hopeless. And, and in that moment, I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm going to pray for him. And unfortunately, what, what, what happened in that moment was that they actually called his name. But I was kind of talking to him and asking, just asking him questions. And when he got up, I shook his hand and I told him, I'm going to pray for your wife, Gail. Her name is Gail. And he said, thank you so much. And the whole time he was like going like this, like you could tell he just didn't want to cry. And I went home and I was just like in shock, like thinking about it. And on, on, I think it was a, we were coming to church or something and Meryl was telling me like, do you see like what God did? Like all of your appointments, you had to go and get them done. But the way they were set up and you were asking God for the root canal to only take one visit, and it didn't take one visit, it's because he has a greater scope of what's happening. He knew that I was going to run into Stephen, who has a wife who has cancer, who is terminally ill. When I got home, I started crying, and I just started praying for Gail. Marilyn and I have prayed for Gail. I told the board, and we started praying for her. And I told him that we would pray for his wife. And so at the end of this, we'll pray for him. But I believe that God will heal her. And I believe that Months from now, I will run into her at that same dentist because that's their dentist now. All it takes is one question, one handshake, eye contact, body language, posture, but a heart full of hope to 
give another person hope, even in a hopeless situation. So you have to trust God and explore the territory that you have. Because the enemy wants to move in, and he wants to move into your territory, but you can't let him. Because this is our land. We must learn the ways of royalty. Nobody better exemplifies this in the Bible than, um, other than Jesus, uh, Solomon. Um, he had kings and queens coming to visit him. Uh, and, and he just had like this just wisdom about himself, right? He writes in, um, I think in Proverbs, he talks about David and how David fathered him and raised him for such a time as the one that Solomon had entered into. And let's go to Proverbs 22, 29. Proverbs 22, 29. So we learned about the creator's city, creativity, creating cultures, creating atmospheres, redefining the culture. If you remember, that's what our first atmosphere conference was called. We learned about creativity, about creating. We learned about excellence. The citizens of heaven are excellent because that's how God created them to be. And here we have Solomon writing a proverb. Can you put it up, Jair? It says, do you see a man who excels or who is excellent in his work? He or she will stand before kings. He or she will not stand before unknown men. Who, who is God preparing for you to stand before? And will you get there? Will you steward what God has given you so that when you stand before, before, before people that are perhaps king of the mountain in their industry or their line of work, that you can stand there and, as I, and I, as I said in my introduction, um, share a lifestyle of kingdom with them, that you can build relationship with them, that they can say, you know, there's something different about you. What is it? And I know you've had this happen to you in the little, but be faithful in the little and God will give you more. And I know that he, he's going to take us in this expansion. He doesn't just mean like bigger and more people, although it includes that. It doesn't mean just more creative ideas, though it includes that. But it means that he will take you before, I don't know if you work at a school, he'll take you before the principal before the superintendent of the school district. Um, if you work in business, he'll take you to the CEO. If you're in school, you will excel, and you will go before the dean of that school. And you will get to testify of where your home is, of, of, of a Jesus, of a king. This is your rightful position, and you shouldn't question it. You all know how good I was at baseball, right? Have I told you guys how good I, I, I was at baseball? So I wasn't very good. Um, there was this one time, uh, Meryl was talking to me, and she was, she was telling me something where she was questioning her position, and I was telling her, why are you questioning your position? Um, and we all do this. You know, we all go through this. One time uh, playing baseball, I was still in middle school, I think. Um, yeah, it was like sixth grade or something. You know, if I, I've told you guys about my not being able to catch the ball story and, and just defense was my baseball defense was horrible but equally or worse was my offense I never got on base unless I was walked um, or hit which sucked um, but one time I got on third base 
And your boy Kevin was about to score. I was on third base, guys. And, our, and then our teammate, Chantel, comes up to bat, and she gets on second base, and I'm like, dude, I'm about to score. So I'm on third base, and I'm, like, leaning in. I'm, like, about to get home, you know. We're playing against the Hawks, which is, like, like the best team in the league. I hated those guys. And, um, and then our team, you know, we were, like, the underdogs, you know. And so I'm, like, this next guy is going to get a hit, and I'm going to score. In the middle of the, of, the, of the pitching sequence, out of the corner of my eye, I see Chantel running to third base. And I'm like, no, what are you doing? I'm standing here. This is my base. And she's running to me. What I didn't realize in that moment is that if anybody's going to be out, it's going to be her. I didn't realize that. She got to my base, and I'm telling her, like, what are you doing? Like, in my frustration, I, like, black, I, I just got so upset that I walked off the base. Guess who's out now? Me. The catcher comes up to me. He's actually one of my, um, my elementary uh, school friends since, like, first grade. He comes up to me, like, like, he knew how mad I was, and he just, he, like, tags me. Sorry, Gomez. And I'm like, whatever, dude. And I just, like. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, know your rightful position if this is where God has established you, don't move. Wait. Just wait. And don't question it. Even if somebody else comes along, don't question it. Don't feel like, oh, like, well, you know, maybe they're the ones that are meant to be there. No, maybe you're meant to work there together, you know. Or maybe you're there to equip them and train them. Hey, welcome to third base. <laughs> Go back to second base. But we got to have a constant relationship so that we understand more about our home, about what the, the, the city that the Creator has created, about our position of excellence before God. And Solomon understood this because he had a relationship with David. He had a relationship with God. And God comes to him and he says, what do you want? One wish. What do you want? If it would have been me, I would have been like an Audi R8, black, with rims. But Solomon actually asked for, um, I used to think it was wisdom, but he actually asked for a hearing heart. He was going to be a king. And he told God, I don't know how to go in or how to go out. I want a hearing heart. His ask was so that he can serve his people better. The word there is actually shama, which means hearing heart. It's important that we have a hearing heart, not a have heard heart. Because if you've heard, then you stop listening. And if you stop listening, then you're no longer in relationship. It's important to have a hearing heart. Because it says that faith comes through hearing. Faith comes through relationship with the city, with your environment that you live in, with the creator of the city, with, with excellence, with position. Wisdom also can be likened to faith that it also comes from hearing. Let's go to the next verse, verse 24. Hebrews 12, verse 24. So it says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So as you walk into the city, you walk into the city, you encounter 
Jesus. The unifying factor. If, if, if the kingdom of heaven were a school, Jesus is your acceptance letter. It's how we were all accepted into the creator city and granted citizenship. So close your eyes. You're walking the roads of gold. People are joining you. Different kinds of people. Different cultures, different languages, different appearances, different styles, different thoughts. They're living creatures. You're just walking towards the kind king. His eyes are on fire for you. He's what qualified you. Finally, face to face with the king of kings and lord of lords. With the one who died on the cross for you. The one who was ripped like the veil. He was torn. The one who ushered in the heavenly gift. The one that wants to have breakfast with you. The one who gave you salvation. He inclines on his throne towards you. And you can feel his breath. Immediately you feel everything inside you exploding and being ignited on fire. He's the one who qualifies you. He's the main partner in making earth look like heaven. He modeled normal Christianity for you when he was on earth. He is creative. He is excellence. He has integrity. As he was faithful to you and to the Father until the cross. Take a deep breath. Open your eyes. Do you feel anything different? Not that you're supposed to, but... What did you guys feel? Anybody? You could shout it out, even if it's the same piece. Love? See, God created you to be a creator, an excellent one. Like Carlos was sharing uh, when he saw the blacksmith, right? With fire and wind, like the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, making you and shaping you and forming you. God created you to be a creator and to be excellent and to have integrity. Jesus had integrity from birth to the cross He never changed the truth. He never shied away from it. He never substituted it for something else. He remained the same before kings, before the poor, before the lepers, before the the highest of the highs in in his religion of the time, in Judaism. He remained the same. He didn't change it. He had integrity. So you are creators. You are excellent creators. 
And not only that, that when your excellent work brings you before kings, you don't change the truth for anything because you keep yourself in integrity until the very end. In my job, uh, in my line of work, I have come across um, people, if you will, are kings of their mountains, kings of social media, queens of social media, you know, uh, some of which, um, some of them are like personal friends, um, reading articles about these people. Some of these people are worth like millions of dollars. And I have seen the temptation when I've come across these people to, to, to think of like, you know, well, what if they give me like a gift or something? Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, your excellent work will bring you before kings. Proverbs 23, 1 says, if you're a man of great appetite, hold the knife to your throat so that you don't desire what's on that king's table. He wants us to have integrity. So as we build community, as we build excellence, I told you guys at the retreat that I used to get hung up on how many people were here. And God said, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And the quality, the word that he gave me back then was excellence. He wants us to be an excellent people. And as I've stood before these individuals, I have kept my integrity thanks to God. And I have built relationships with these people. And I have loved on them and I have blessed them. And I've gotten to pray for some of them. That doesn't happen if we come and we desire what they have on their table. God won't bring you to those places if he can't trust you. God won't bring you to those places if, he can't, if, if you can't be trusted with your own neighborhood, with your own brother and your sister. You got to hunger for it. And it's a wonderful thing that in this verse, it talks about Jesus. That it was a son that revealed the father because it's all through relationship. It's not rules and obligations. It's a relationship. So, in closing, if I can have the worship team come up, but just for now, uh, Mims play. If you're taking notes, I want to tell you that as children of God... (laughs) We must live with the notion that as citizens of heaven, so you remember my introduction, this is my conclusion. We must live with the notion that as citizens of heaven, we are free to explore, touch, taste, and see. Because we live in an orphan world that wants to hear something authentic, something real, something original. They want to encounter the Father. They just don't know it. But you represent the Father. You represent something that is creative. In your own way, don't discount your position. Because you are excellent. And when you are brought before kings, don't trade the truth for what's on that table. Even if it is something good like Bofongo. We must be a people of creativity, excellence, and integrity. To kind of wrap it all together, identity can be created by our heroes, by our environment, the people around us, and experiences. It is important 
that as we build community, you unite to the reunion of the saints in order to solidify your identity, identity in Christ. You've come to the city of the living God. Your environment shapes your identity. You've come to the assembly of the righteous. The people around you shape who you become tomorrow. You've come to Jesus, where the root of our identity is creativity, excellence, and integrity, a truth that does not change. And we're all learning. We're all learning. I'll share this story to end. Uh, in early October, Mario told me to write down my dreams. That it's a good way to steward. If you dream a lot, write them down. And ask God, what does it mean? On October 13th, I woke up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and I wrote down my dreams. One of my dreams was after praying for a guy's back, he got healed. I walked into like a barber shop type place. And I guess Mexico was playing France in soccer. And I was watching the game, and the guy there was asking me if I rooted for France. And I said, no, why? And he said, then why are you wearing a France jersey? And I looked down, and I was like, that's interesting. That was October 13th. And I didn't understand, and I didn't ask God why. I wrote it down, and we are all in training. Exactly a month later, November 13th, the Paris attacks happened. And... I remember when I saw that, I was really moved in my heart, and I, and I didn't fully understand why. But I believe it's because God, through our amazing, wonderful pastors, has given us the heart of a shepherd. But as I ask him for more of this, he gives me more heart like the one that he has, which is for his children. So when I experienced this bad news, I got really sad. And then when I read my notes recently about this dream that I had, it kind of touched me because I felt like God was highlighting France. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel guilty because I didn't pray. Quite the opposite. I am so sure now that God wants us to pray and to intercede. When I go on those flights to Orlando or to Florida or wherever, or wherever you go, when you go to Ensenada or TJ, when you, when you drive people around in your, in your job, when you, when you walk around checking people's meters or w when you guys go back to Seattle, to Washington, the words that come out of your mouth because you were created by Him, because you were made to be excellent, because you have integrity, those words carry weight and they change everything around you. This is the city that you live in. This is the city you have come to. This is the creator that you have, and this is who you are.